I've been thinking lately about the people I meet The car wash on the corner and the hole in the street The way my ankles hurt with shoes on my feet And I'm wondering if I'm gonna see tomorrow Father, forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn blue Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven I was in the army, but I never dug a trench Used to bust my knuckles on a monkey ranch I go to town and drink, give the girls a pinch But I don't think they ever even notice me Father, forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn blue Then we'll whistle and go fish in heaven Fish and whistle, a whistle and fish Eat everything that they put on your dish And when we get Good morning. How's everyone doing? Welcome to the morning show. Happy Friday. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday. We're coming to you live from the Roosevelt Studios here in the Bronx. It's the morning show. <clears throat> Clear my throat. It's August 21st. John Prine playing. Rest in peace. One of my favorite artists ever. So if you have something bad to say about him, shit in your hat and wear it. This is the morning show. It's bite-sized bits of everything that I enjoy. We got a little American history, American towns, American baseball players, uh, geography, history, baseball, books, documentaries on Fridays, and today's Friday, so bada bada boom. Uh, behind the scenes, Bill. What's up, Bill? I don't know if you watch these. Behind the scenes, Bill brought a bunch of coffees in. And uh, a bunch of cold brew coffees. And this one was labeled apple pie. So I forgot I was drinking apple pie coffee until I took my first sip. And that's why I made the face I did. Because I was like, oh, apple pie coffee. And I'm undecided on if I like it. I'm usually not a man that likes flavored stuff. Just give me the, don't flavor the flavor. Coffee's a flavor. I'll drink the coffee. I need a flavor to flavor. Um, just a boring guy. I'm uh, I'm uh, Corey Matthews with the celery poster. Good morning, everyone. Who we got? We got Josh. Don't forget the intro. Nailed it, Josh. Scott. What up, Scott? Norm. NBA Hawks talk. Jill, Davey, Leo. Jill, how are the kids enjoying school? It's an exciting time for them. Moesha, Fox and Socks, Kevin Hartland, Abe. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Over on Facebook, we have uh, BK McKenney. It's a cool name. Jimbo. Jimbo. Okay. Uh, Todd Father, as always. Justin, Robert. How's everyone doing? No, no Periscope because I haven't fixed it. I just keep hoping that it magically fixes itself, and that hasn't happened. So... I'm about to skip a dude. First laugh involving the Yanks in three days. Okay. Anyway, welcome to the morning show. How's everyone doing? You guys doing good? Um, Elliot. Elliot Keel in the chat says, I've never seen this show. I'm probably the only one to have seen. I'm probably the only one to have only seen Wake and Jake. 
Well, thanks for stopping by, Elliot. If if this is a little different than Wake and Jake, this show is weird. Um, it's just rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole, starting with the first rabbit hole, Sea Breeze, New Jersey. It's 83 degrees. It's partly cloudy in Sea Breeze. I didn't set up. Uh, I was running so late today. Left my apartment at 8.35. Takes 15 minutes to get a, from Manhattan to the Bronx. And then I got a park, and I ran up here. Luckily, I set this whole show up yesterday. I got ahead of it. But I don't have the soundboard set up, so I'm going to try and set that up as we go. Seabreeze, New Jersey, is a ghost town. It was once a destination place for people from Philadelphia to go check out New Jersey. Um, here you go. So if you're not familiar with the East Coast, that's obviously Nova Scotia, Maine, New Hampshire, Mass. Rhode Island stole Connecticut's coastline. Bunch of fucking thieves. Uh, then you got New York, Long Island Sound is this little bumpy thing. Uh, so this is just called Explain the East Coast Coastline to people that aren't familiar with it. New Jersey, right here. Skidamankadinkadink. And then the Delaware Bay, Delaware, Ocean City. So Philadelphia is up here. Okay, we're, we're coming in. What a history lesson. Bring your kids in. Uh, your fourth graders got to learn geography. Uh, so Philadelphia is right here, right? Because uh, this 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 lake is how the Delaware Bay is how cities got formed on the East Coast. So you bring all the ships in and all the supplies, and and then that river, and then it goes all the way. There's a direct path to New York. See, Shh. direct line. Uh, so that's how that happened. And then Sea Breeze is down here, and this was a destination for people from Philly get on a boat. And go down to Seabreeze to enjoy the summer sun. Um, now most people from Philadelphia, which is right here, just go like this. <laughs> to Ocean City, Wildwood, and that area. What highway is that? 473 or 55? This southern Jersey shore, that's Philadelphia's vacation. Seabreeze is over here, and at this point in time, Seabreeze is nothing. It looks like a brain. Like if we changed this to kind of pink and then blood vessel color, that looks like a brain. But it's nothing. There's a couple houses here, um, and this is the big road that led to Seabreeze, New Jersey, and... There's like five houses that are still standing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine houses. At one point, this was a really big uh, destination place, this area right here. We have uh, some historic pictures. Once I disable my ad blocker, uh, let me see. Okay, so this is what it used to look like. That's the ferry you would get on in Philadelphia back in the late 1800s, and then this was the big hotel. So this hotel was right here, right? You would come down, and you'd be greeted somewhere along this this beach right here was this huge hotel. And uh, uh, in 1887, steamboat travel, Abe, what up, existed, <clears throat> 
and uh, they would take people from Philadelphia to Seabreeze. <clears throat> After two aspiring businessmen from Gloucester restored an old Civil War boat. That's what we were looking at up here. An old Civil War boat to take people down to the land that they uh, they got and they made they 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 built Seabreeze amusement park and pier. So they built a boardwalk, they built a pier, and they built the Warner House because the guy's name was Warner. This was the Warner House, big hotel, forty room hotel, had a bar, bathing, recreational activities, annual clam bakes, boat races. But the Warner House right here burned down in eighteen ninety. Um, there's only one road to Seabreeze. We saw that here, the Seabreeze Road. So it was really just the only way you got there was from boat, basically. And um, then they built another hotel <clears throat> and another one, and then they all burned down. And then it just stopped being a place of, of destination altogether. No one went there anymore. Uh, in 2008, six of the 19 homeowners in Seabreeze asked the government to please buy their houses because they can't live there anymore because the rock wall was falling apart. So this is what it looks like now. Um, that's probably the old pier where you would get off the Civil War boat, go hang out. That's a good shot of where it used to be. Uh, old house. That's the, the beach wall that was falling apart. Erosion! And... Probably not worth it to fix that. Ooh, Kissy. Wonder when that was written. Year 2000. Not worth it to fix that. So, kind of sad. Kind of just that's what happens. This place was like booming for probably 10 years. Maybe 20 years. I think 20 is probably pushing that. It was probably booming for like 10 years. Clam bakes, race boats. Ooh, that's a cool picture of the seawall. And there's all the houses that are left over. Um, so just a boom in town that is no more. How about that? Those are probably old houses. Kind of crazy. That's a cool picture. It's a cool picture. Um, yeah. So this was a random town of the day. Intern Luke just grabs random towns. This one was pretty interesting, I thought. When I started researching, I was like, oh, shit, got another cool one. Um, in August 2010, two of the homes burned down. In July of 2011, another home burned down? Is this insurance scam? What's going on here? In May 17th of 2010, New Jersey reported the remaining homeowners have agreed to sell their property to the state. And then later on that summer, all the properties start getting burned up. I wonder if if they got the money from the state still or because their house burned down, the state was like, we don't need to pay you for what's not there anymore. Is that an inside job? Did the state burn down the houses so they didn't have to buy them? In January of 2012, the state and EPA tore down the houses. The houses are no more. Seabreeze, New Jersey. Not a destination place anymore. The Delaware Bay. Now, for those of you that watch every one of these shows, and you kind of know I'm a weirdo, the Delaware Bay, they got their fair share of beached whales. Let me tell you. The Delaware Bay. I mean, you type in Delaware Bay beached whales, 
Look at this. Fifth humpback shore washes. A fifth humpback whale washes ashore. Yeah, I got my Google alerts on for beach whales in the Delaware Bay. Let me tell you, I see some shit. All right, so that was Seabreeze, New Jersey. We're done with that. Random baseball player of the day is Jim Palmer. And the random baseball player of the day is brought to you by DraftKings. Hey, it's John Boy here telling you there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of the one on to claim your share of up to one to claim your share of up to one hundred million in instant giveaways, all you need to do is download the app and sign up using promo code JOMBOY. Then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool. Yes! It really is that easy to claim your share of up to one hundred million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win one hundred million dollar cash prize. Well, the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner. Everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings Free Football Survivor Pool will receive an instant bonus of at least five dollars in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great daily fantasy contests DraftKings is hosting for this week. They got basketball and golf and a bunch of other shit, hockey maybe, probably. So go download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code JOMBOY to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code JOMBOY to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. DraftKings is taking care of us. They see what we're all about, the whole company. They said we want to sponsor everything. We love you guys, so go get DraftKings because they love us. We love them. We love you. Jim Palmer was so good. Three Cy Youngs. That's two fingers that I put up, two chubby little fingers. Ugh. Three. I can't do three like that. Three Cy Youngs, six All-Star appearances, three World Series, two ERA titles, and Hall of Famer, and beautiful. Beautiful blue eyes. This is gorgeous. Thanks, Jim, for having such good blue eyes. Different shade of blue than mine. I got blue eyes. Uh, 2003 Lake Zurich Middle School South Best Eyes winner. But uh, Jim's are, I think the lighting's helping him out there. Jim Palmer was adopted at birth. I mean, this I read his bio, and this I thought was interesting. He's adopted at birth. Uh, they lived in New York City. The uh, the husband and wife that adopted him, the father passed away. So his mom moved to Beverly Hills. She remarried a character actor named Max Palmer, who was on TV. That's where he gets the last name Palmer from. It's kind of interesting. He went through a couple last names. Um, he was 19 <clears throat> when he made his debut for the Orioles. And he was mainly used as an emergency starter and mop-up reliever. Uh, the most famous thing about Jim Palmer is how damn good he was. But he was like the tall, smart professor type. And then his coach, the manager, Earl Weaver, was the short, not, I mean, not like street smarts guy they have a book they wrote they wrote together we were 11 foot 9 Palmer and Weaver so like it's a very famous relationship a lot of good stories uh you can google and you'll find some you know there's one story where Earl Weaver well this is cool Paul Blair was a center fielder for the uh Orioles 
and he said that the young Palmer wouldn't want to stay in games if he didn't have his best up stuff. So he would always come up with a twinge in his arm or something and like get out of games. And Hank Bauer, the former manager, would take him out. But when Earl Weaver was the manager, he was he wouldn't let Palmer come out of the game. He just wouldn't take him out if his stuff didn't have. So Palmer learned to get his fastball over, his curveball over, recalled Paul Blair. And he learned to pitch because he was going nine. Earl made him grow up a little bit. And in stories you can about the two, Palmer would say, yeah, he just used to make me finish nine because he said there's no one in the bullpen better than me. So I'd just go pitch all game. I didn't really have an option. And Earl Weaver said the same. Uh, Palmer told a cool, funny story, kind of interesting story, because he was like, you know, he didn't like the lineup, and then the left fielder botched a ball, and then the first baseman botched a pop-up, and he said Earl Weaver walked out to the mound and said, are you trying? And he was like, am I trying? Are you trying? Look at the lineup you gave me. Which is a funny story, but it also kind of throws teammates under the bus, so I'm not sure I love it. Um, but, uh, I mean... I didn't do this yesterday on purpose. I didn't look at Jim Palmer's baseball reference because I wanted to look at it uh, on the show for the first time because I, I got to guess it's littered in bold. Um, let's see. We got, yeah, okay. So he led the league in wins in 75, 76, 77. For people that don't look at baseball reference a lot, if uh, you got bold in a, in a category, that means you led the league that year. Led the league in win percentage, led the league in ERA twice, 209 ERA in 1975, and he pitched in 39 games. That's insane. Uh, led the league in innings pitched three times. It's probably the Earl Weaver effect. Led the league in shutouts twice, one with five, one with ten. Probably the Earl Weaver effect. Uh, led the league in complete games with 22. Probably what he's talking about with Earl Weaver, saying I'm just going to keep you going. Um Led the league in games started with 40 and 39. Led the league in batter's face. So a lot of these are accumulative stats because Weaver just kept throwing them out there. And then you get to the awards section of his page. And what do we got? We got uh, Cy Young, fifth MVP, 25th. I don't care about those. All-star, all-star, all-star. Fifth in Cy Young, fifth in Cy Young. And then Cy Young and MVP. Three Cy Youngs in a row. Uh, no, not in a row. One year he didn't have it. So from this stretch, Jesus, this stretch is crazy. What years are these? Um, from what year is this? From 27 years old, 1973. All right, hold on. Look at this stretch. <clears throat> From This is 1973. So in 1972, he placed fifth in the Cy Young. Then he won the Cy Young. Then in, then he didn't get any votes or any awards or anything. Must have been injury year or bad year. I don't know. Uh, looks like he only made... So he only pitched half a season uh, in 74. So he comes back in 75. He wins the Cy Young again. 76 wins the Cy Young again. 77 places second. And 78 places third. Dude is pretty good, huh? They said that he was always the three on his team because the other two guys were technically better because they had more wins, you know, but Palmer was the best statistically. 
At a thir- as 36 years old, he led the league in whip. So what happened in that 74 year? He only made 26 starts. That's still a, f- I mean, that's considered a half season then because he was making 36 and 40. 26 starts this year nowadays is like, yeah, that's good. Let's check out his 1975 game log because that seems crazy. 1975 game log. Let me make it a little bigger for you guys. Um, all right, so we got... <clears throat> he opened up the season with a complete game shutout against the Detroit Tigers. Not bad. Then seven runs, but only two earned. Then another complete game shutout, okay, against Milwaukee. Then a complete game, one earned run. Oh, he actually threw up a stinker. Six innings pitched, five earned runs against the Yankees in uh, his fifth game of the year. But he was able to bounce back from that. I guess you're allowed to have one stinker then. Then after that stinker, he goes four complete games in a row. One earned run, three earned run, zero earned runs, two. Then 5.13. That was probably considered a horrible start back then. Then another complete game. Okay, on June 4th, he went 10 and a third, two earned runs. <laughs> Jesus. 9-9. Nine, nine. You fucking kidding me, dude? They used him out of relief. <laughs> they, so he, he they used him out of relief in the doubleheader to get the save. He's already pitching nine innings every five days. Why not? God damn, that's crazy. Um, oh, shit. He went 12 innings on August 21st. One earned run. And then eight innings and nine innings. So, I mean, I'm going to need my calculator app because I'm the worst person that's ever attempted to do math. How many innings did he average? 323 innings divided by 39 is eight Eight innings, he averaged eight and two-thirds innings, but let's take away that that relief appearance, right? So he only had one relief appearance? Yeah, he only had one relief appearance, so I'm not going to count that as a game. So 323 divided by 38. He averaged eight, eight and a half innings a game. Eight and two-thirds, we'll call it. Same thing. That's pretty good. For the entire season, he averaged eight and two-thirds innings. Nut job. He gave up three home runs in this game, though. Not good, man. Who popped him? Let's see. Who popped him? Who popped him on this day? It was... July, oh, hello, what just happened? It was July 27th uh, at County Stadium. 3.07 start time, day game on grass. You think the shadows would help them? They didn't. Yeah, Ken Singleton, Paul Blair, Tommy Davis, Lee May, Tony Muser, Bobby Gritch, Don Baylor, Brooks Robinson, Dave Duncan, Tim Nordbrook, Jim Northrup. Oh, Nordbrook and Northrup. Pinch hit for each other. Um, Don Money. That's a great name. Is he a name I should know? Don Money. 
Daryl Porter, George Scott, Hank Aaron, Mike Began, Bill Sharp, Sixto, Les Kidno, Robin Yount, uh, Don Money, nicknamed Brooks, Donald Wayne Money. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. MVP votes, some all-stars, Don Money. It's a good name. Uh, all right, so who hit home runs off of him? Daryl Porter hit a home run. Gorman Thomas hit a home run. And Mike Hegan. All right, I'm running late. I could spend – I mean, this is what happened. This is the problem with baseball reference when you run into a dude like Jim Palmer who's just got good numbers all across the board is you could spend all day on it. I could spend all day on his baseball reference just looking at his numbers. Like, obviously, I want to find out how he did against Hall of Famers. We got to keep this moving. We're already at 931. Wake and Jake coming up. Um, so, Jim Palmer. And that's all I have to say about that. And we'll push Wake and Jake because it's a special edition of Wake and Jake anyway. Because uh, I want to talk about momentum generation. This is going to eat up some time. And also, today we have uh, Wake and Jake coming up. Talking baseball's coming up. Um, Trev is filling in for Jake on the re- Whip Around recap show. John Boy and Jake TV didn't come out today. We didn't have time. Talking Giants had an interview with Cl- Talking Giants had an interview with Clem from Barstool, so that's awesome. I'm excited to listen to that. Clem's a nice guy, and I like him. Talking Yanks, uh, Sadness, Talking Sadness series recap, and Talking Knicks had an episode about the draft. You guys fell behind, right? I guess I'll talk to you about it on uh, Wake and Jake. Um, and an update. Oh, got a text from Caitlin. says, Venmo is sending you a code. Can you send it to me? Middle of the show, doing business. Uh, look at this Slam Diego shirt our graphic designer just sent us. It's beautiful. Slam Diego. All right. Momentum Generation. Has anyone seen this documentary? On, uh, on Fridays, I do documentaries. Momentum Generation is about Kelly Slater, uh, Rob Machado, and the, the surfers. They were a bunch of, kind of like Lords of Dogtown. They were a bunch of friends that hung out in the North Shore of Hawaii, and they kind of changed the surfing game. They, they did competitions, they freestyle surf, and they kind of led the way for, um, they led the way for like surfers to get sponsorships to just go surf and not have to be in a competition and just go enjoy surfing. And uh, it's all these friends. They, they had a kid who like filmed them, kind of like a me growing up. I filmed, I filmed everything. So there's all this footage. It's a really cool um, documentary, but the, the part that interests me the most, I think it's a really interesting discussion to have, is later in the documentary, one of the guys tries to figure out um, his balance of competition and having fun and competing and doing what he loves and the mental health that comes with competing but also enjoying what you're doing. I think it's a really interesting uh, conversation around sports, so let's watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Going the wrong way. I mean, I was no exception. I was on the world tour for 20 years, and I could not get over that hump of, I didn't win. Taylor took himself so serious. When he would not win world titles, just to watch how it was eaten away at the guy, 
I couldn't be around him because I'm so opposite of Taylor. And then one day, he finally just let it go. I'm never gonna win a world title. I'm done. And then he can actually live. My friends helped me realize surfing doesn't define me as a person. There's what you do and then there's who you are. And that's the difference that I didn't know back then. I got a little bit of bingy blood injected in me. And I got more happy just being who I am. It's an emotional roller coaster, this career. You lose more than you win. But it's all about the state of mind you're in. Because I've seen guys win contests and not do it, and I've seen guys get third and we're ecstatic. So who won? To me, it's right. the one having the most fun. So that's the kind of the quote there. I've seen guys win contests and not enjoy it, and I've seen guys come in third and be ecstatic. You grow up, you play sports, and that's kind of like a loser mentality. Like it's, you ain't first, you're last. And in baseball, we kind of idolize these dudes like CeCe Sabathia and Garrett Cole. That's win at all costs. And, and even when they have a good outing, they're still not satisfied with themselves and they're, they're mad at themselves. But I guess it does come to a point where it's like, surfing may be a different thing than a team sport where it's like not having fun. Like Hideki Kuroda uh, said, uh, pitching's my job. I don't enjoy baseball. <laughs> like when it gets to that point, like I think it's a really weird balance that you have to try and figure out. And the, the cool thing about surfing is that dude can take himself out of contest and go make his money being just a sponsored surfer and just go on display. You know, you can't really make the big bucks uh, just going on a barnstorming is what they used to do. But, uh, I don't know. I find I, as I grow up, my intensity surely lacks, and I'm not uh, competing for anything at all, ever. I'd much rather enjoy the process than stress myself out. Weird. Weird thought process. That dude said, you know, I think that was an interesting thing. Swisher having fun playing baseball. Yeah, but a lot of times we get mad at players who smile when they lose. You know, we think it's terrible. But to hear an athlete say that and, like, the mental health side of things, I think it's an interesting balance that I don't know where it falls because I love the intensity Cole brings and how he's never satisfied, and we idolize that in a way, but maybe we shouldn't be because it's, like, terrible on his mental health. Like, dude, you just went seven innings, two earned runs, and pitched fantastic. Like, smile a little. But then we love it because he wants more. He want, If you're not the best, nothing matters. So, I mean, that's definitely, like, the Yankees mentality. So I, I think it's really interesting balance – that you got to figure it out that I, I don't know. I, uh, I had this conversation with, uh, my family about grades growing up. I saw all my, I saw friends stress out to get straight A's and, uh, I never believed in grades. Like I never thought your GPA would matter. Um, I basically, when I was 13, I, I said school is pass fail. And unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, your GPA doesn't mean shit. So that's how I if, I, if I got a B, I was like, cool. If I got an A, I was like, I worked too hard. I didn't need to put that much energy into that um, or stress myself out. I was almost like, I don't, who needs A's? That's just a stress builder. Yeah, you ha everyone's wired different. 
I do think GPA doesn't matter still as a 30-year-old, uh, unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or go to an Ivy League school. Those are like the three exceptions. Other than that, you're all good. Um, just just pass. But, yeah, you would see people stress out to get an A+, and then be relieved when they got it. And then you'd see another kid just kind of like get a B-plus and be like, cool, that wasn't that hard. And it's like I'd much rather be that person than the other person. So I don't know if that pertains to the sports world, but that's how I viewed school. And scholarships are a fucking – I had a scholarship for one school, still the most expensive student loans I'm ever paying. So scholarships can be very good. They can also be the biggest rope-a-dope bait-and-switch scam you will ever face in your life. I went to one semester of a school because they gave me a huge scholarship. Still the most money I'm paying off um, 15 years later, 10 years later or whatever. So be weary of scholarships. And, you know, if it's a full ride, take it. If they're just taking some money off, make sure you check what the other percentages is because that's a shit's a scam. College is the biggest scam. You get yourself in debt and they don't offer you a job at the end. That's It used to be you get a job. Anyway, that's the morning show. That's the morning show. I've been thinking lately about the John Prine, Wake and Jake coming up next. Take you through the sports. Goodbye. Love you guys. See ya. Have a great weekend. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. Love you. See you later. I was in the army, but I never dug a trench. Used to bust my knuckles on a monkey ranch. I go to town and drink, give the girls a pinch, but I don't think.